0: Welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Check us out on Twitter at PKGlueGuys. Uh, No longer SoundCloud. iTunes, yes. Five stars. Please give us a rating. And we have a special guest today.
1: And you're back on Google Play, I noticed. Uh, Oh, you were off Google Play? (laughs) You were, but you're back.
0: It's a tricky one. Uh, We have a special guest, Matt Parker. Matt, tell everyone what you do and who you are.
1: Uh, I am (laughs) Matt Parker. I am a... A professor of the arts at the NYU Game Center, which is the game design park department at uh, New York University. And we basically teach people to make and uh, design games.
2: How fun is that? This place is like... I don't know. I, I don't know if I've let on how much of a nerd ass I am, but like this, come through. <laughs> it's come through a little <laughs> bit. A little yeah. bit. Um, but this place is magnificent. Everywhere you look, there's something something exciting to lay your eyes on. Like
0: one, it's like I've I've I have a nephew who's 16, uh-huh. and for some reason, I'm like, this is where. If he comes to New York, if I want to be a cool uncle, this is where I would take him. Oh, you should. This is. Uh, we were here once when I think the only time I've been here before. You should
2: befriend Matt so that you can make that happen.
0: Yeah. Hey, Can you get my nephew that. in NYU? Is that, that's what <laughs> yeah, this is all that's about. Pretty,
1: basically, it's all nepotism. <laughs> yeah. it's <got> <laughs> I will God. actually, you know, little plug here. Uh, the Princeton Review just came out with their uh, grades, their rankings of uh, game design departments. And uh, we were number two Come for on. both undergrad and grad. Come on. But the ones that were number one were not number three. So if you average the numbers, we're number one. Just <laughs> just throwing that out there. So
0: wh- Okay, give us the list. Who are we looking at? Who are we aiming at? USC uh, Ugh, has been them. number one for a while. They've... I, of, I, I, I don't get started on their game design. I mean, <laughs>
1: I'm not going to say anything bad about USC. I uh, got a lot of good friends there. They're lovely people. It's a lovely department. They're just not ranked as high as us mm. in undergrads, but they're ahead of us in grads. But only by one spot, and our average is better than theirs. That's so, all I'm saying. So, I'm so what's like,
0: what's a class like? If, I, if I'm a part of the Game Center as a student, what am I doing? Uh,
1: you are making games uh, primarily. Uh, so we have like sort of four – different parts of the department one of them is like game studies where you learn about the history and sort of media studies aspect of games one of them is game design where you basically focus on non-digital games but also that carries over to digital games game studio where you're focusing mostly on digital games and different aspects you need to make them uh and then uh, game programming which is sort of a complement to the digital games thing which is my primary role uh is as the sort of
0: Ahead of the game programming stuff. So, how complex of these games are we talking? Like, are we like because when Great I question, like, when, when I when I took Pascal in high school, yeah, this is going to be very relevant. it's okay. all we teach here is Pascal. <laughs> My final project was to create a blackjack style game. Oh, really? But it was you know, it's just a, it's you, like terminal only. Yeah, thing. you just <laughs> you type in uh, y as for yes, I would like another card, or n as I would not, and then the dealer would reveal the card. So, what are we making? What? What kind of games <laughs> am I playing? Are these first person shooters? So you, are they racers? <laughs> are they mazes? All this is these your mazes. this is your list of uh, digital games. a lot of paper
2: <laughs> <laughs> writing a maze? <laughs> I, I'm I'm a bad so I love to play video games, but I get his he's the guy he, he gets like um, he's like kind of who we're talking about, or like probably will address <laughs> oh later no. in this conversation. <laughs> who just has a binder full of like Madden and NBA 2K that, every year. Yeah, like,
0: I buy the Madden from three years ago because yeah. it's eight bucks. Yeah. Um, I don't care about advancements in technology. So what kind of games are like <laughs> in the, are these children making? So you might not like our games because they are more advanced than you yeah, are. They're a little harder, probably.
1: Uh, yeah, we mostly focus on independent games. So a lot of our students, we have small teams of students making games, but a number of our games have been nominated for IGF awards uh, we won the student IGF a couple of years ago um, we have an incubator where we support like local game makers uh, making games but they really run the gauntlet from you know personal narrative games to sort of multiplayer networked esporty type games to first person type
0: games like all over the place what's like the holy grail of of game like the, so if you're a film major you know, maybe you think of like things that David Lynch has done. C- as Citizen Kane is what we, we, <laughs> uh, we <you> know. <laughs> <Yeah>. What's <laughs> the Citizen, Kane, what's of the Citizen of- <laughs> Kane of video games? But what is like the thing that is so highly thought of in the video game creation community? What What's a popular game out there, or maybe not even a popular game, just something that was like just made
2: seminal games huh yeah yeah i mean i think i think
1: like in indie game world the the game that everybody sort of looks at like oh i'd like that type of success is probably minecraft i think that's probably the most successful independent game
2: of all time did you you similarly fall down a a minecraft rabbit hole like i did Uh, sucked (laughs) sucked me in does Is that, that right? Were you, yeah. you a big Minecraftier? I secret, like craftier, cl- you know, closeted, but I'm coming out now. <laughs> <laughs> While we were not quite into closet, <laughs> but in the closet, yeah, in a palatial, but yeah, office. When it, like when it, like in 2012, I guess, like when it was like popping, I was, I was definitely there. I was there, um, 2012. 2012. Those were different days. 2012. Yeah, it was almost the end of the world, yeah. <laughs> according to some movies I, was, I saw. I'd given up, and I was just gaming. You're building hard. a new world in Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. that we we're yeah. exploring. Transport myself into. So
0: you wanted, besides Matt having, you know, well, being yeah. being a, a linked member of our of our fan base here, <laughs> you wanted to have
2: him on for a specific reason. I think. Well, sure. So Matt, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've sort of Wrote the book on um, <laughs> no, that's not. Yeah. I don't You're wrong. That. This is me correcting. <laughs> yeah. you. um but that you like taught a class. Is that more correct to say about it's closer? Sort of We're like the game circling the truth. Let's let's, <laughs> let's just nail it. What did what, did you, what exactly is so it? So actually, for one of our
1: classes, we have a class called Games 101, and each week is a different genre of mm-hmm. games, and each week is taught by a different faculty member. Uh, I'm the faculty member who teaches the week on games, so we cover mm-hmm. like. 10 sort of seminal sports uh, Mm -hmm. that week and you know there's two hours so you can only go so deep on 10 different games in two hours yeah uh but we sort of talk about we're talking to a lot of kids who are really into video games and not that into other types of games right uh so trying to expand their horizons the key is to get them hooked into sports and i think it's it's we've actually had some decent success with that converting (laughs) video game there now um, <laughs> so
2: if, if you're a fan of the show and I'm assuming you are because you're listening to us you'll know that <laughs> And you stuck with us this part. <laughs> you'll know that Mike and I spent a fair amount of time like <laughs> al- alternating between kvetching on is that how you pronounce it kvetching yeah it's close enough very good you want to <laughs> you want to do that hard kv right kv Kvetching. Kve- about uh the sort of fly, design but, uh, of professional basketball and uh thinking about ways to improve it And I know we've talked, we've DM'd, taken it to the DM with with Matt uh, previously and thought about these same things. So, like, I think eventually we'll get to that. But first, let's just get right into some, like, Nets basketball just to make sure that those people are satiated because I know that people get butthurt if we don't do a little of that to start. Right. So there's a couple of things I think we need to talk about initially.
0: First is that we had the D'Angelo Russell quarter. We did. Uh, the most exciting <laughs> quarter of
2: our, our t- lifetime with D'Angelo Russell. That was the most D'Angelo Russell game, maybe, ever. I think, like, just like, you know, lots, lots of um, very obvious potential for like greatness and then sort of dissipated towards the end of the game. You sort of, I had a conversation with a guy lately recently, uh that he was sort of like the Javel McGee of of point guards and that like oh that's that's that, such that, a that is a bad comparison. <laughs> hear me out guys. Yeah. <laughs> hear me out. Javel McGee in his like Denver Nuggets days, like fourteen and ten with like three blocks per game, on paper, a very good basketball player, right? That's above average. Right. But he's fails spectacularly in ways that it's he's yeah. shacked in a fool and all that. <laughs> and and so D'Angelo Russell, like on paper, like, that's a great game or whatever, sort of failed spectacularly like, towards the end of that game. Not in, like, the JaVale McGee, like, you know, tripped over himself and, like, it was, like, Jar Jar Banks or whatever. But, like, <laughs> you know, are you not reading you're not not seeing no. this comparison so not all? Javale you think it's, G- a, G- terrible G- yeah, it's yeah. a terrible comparison? Yeah. No it's a terrible comparison because McGee's McGee is
0: a clown. But, like, so what you get out of D'Angelo Russell is that you do get the, the three or four frustrating moments at the end of the game that are just, that you, are not unexplainable because you understand what he's trying to do. But that are outside of the framework that the Nets are trying to accomplish. What is but, – but again, so – okay. So we had gone through this period of the season when it was like, Spencer Dinwiddie, we love him. How awesome is he? And his assistant turnover ratio is fantastic, best in the NBA. And we're talking about this guy is – maybe should be better than D'Angelo. This guy is the guy maybe the Nets should invest in. And D'Angelo, who is hurt, has no recourse for answering the other side of that question – he comes back, and that quarter is a reason why you, you have to still hold on to D'Angelo Russell, right? Like Spencer Dinwiddie is not going to have a quarter where he's going to hit seven threes or whatever D'Angelo Russell did. He's just not going to do that. Um, he doesn't have the ceiling that by far—I mean, D'Angelo Russell is, you know, a four, five, six floors higher building— I get the sense <laughs> that
2: Spencer Dinwiddie's is the kind of guy that he, like, wouldn't have thought to do that until just now if he hears this, which – fan of the, friend of the show. Friend of the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very <laughs> possible. Um, Who will probably he just likes to disprove He yeah. kind of, like, only – his only motivation is disproving people like Mike, I think, to do things. Yeah. Good. Like, let's keep saying things about him then. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. get him to
0: disprove up, some Mike. things. Yeah. So – we're, Matt, where are you at the D'Angelo Russell? Have you Russell? been watching? Matt just had a kid, I, uh, so he's, he's <laughs> probably not watching that much. That's no, I, I
1: was actually uh, just watching some of this past game in VR, which we'll we'll talk about in a oh, minute. Gosh. But uh, I can't wait for I'm that. I'm going to put quotes on that. There's air quotes on that for that's people a, listening. That's next-level podcasting. That's called a tease in the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this. This isn't my first rodeo. rodeo. It actually is <laughs> really? my first rodeo. but oh, <laughs> yeah, This is but, literally <laughs> the first rodeo. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But I'm still uh, going to act like I've been here
0: Interviewing people during a rodeo. During their first rodeo. Rodeo. and then the, Ooh, they could make that joke every time they do it <laughs> write that down a Brian. Get a, get a it could be called right? this is my first rodeo <laughs> this is my first rodeo yeah.
1: um, uh, yeah. but d'angelo i think i mean i agree <laughs> that he's got tremendous potential uh, you know i was listening to you guys obviously um, above all else but i think it was some other podcast where they were talking about how long it takes point guards to become good right like there's a long long lead up time for this i do Just don't know if I see D'Angelo as a point guard. And I don't think that I'm not sure the Nets do either, which is why they keep putting point guards next to him. Part of it is they just have a glut of point guards that they want to play, but I just think that it's more you know, the Nets are getting away from this like position thing, but I still think you need a guy to bring the ball up the floor, a guy who's thinking pass first, and D'Angelo is not a pass first guy. And you see the ceiling as James Harden, but the floor is also substantial here. I think I think we can't like in some ways, I feel like the ceiling is way higher for D'Angelo Russell than it is for Dinwiddie, but the floor is maybe lower?
0: I don't know. More disruptive, right? Yeah. Like, the worst Dinwiddie is going to be a guy who shoots two for 11, but he never turns over the ball, and he plays okay defense, and he does put the team in the right position, and he gets rid of the ball quickly. Where with D'Angelo, it's like it, he's always going to produce points and maybe some assists, but he could do four turnovers and then make – six terrible shots that just have no have n- no pretense within the offense.
2: I wonder if they'll ever, like, to your point, <clears throat> if they'll ever actually put a, like, just really super clear one next to Because we always talk about the sort of continuum of, like, from one to two. The one, like, D'Angelo Russell's probably like a 1.5 or 1.4 or something. And Dinwiddie's like a 1.3. And uh, Levert's like a what? Like 1. 1. 1.6 or yeah, something? So like, yeah. yeah, closer um, to the two. So I wonder if they'll ever just, like, go full, like – all the way, like, a Rage on Rondo, where I can't try to think. Yeah, like the He was the only, like, one I could. <laughs> yeah. like, because like, the, the most one. Now, Who are the ones? Yeah.
1: Like, other than Rondo, who's, like, just can't shoot. Yeah. Like, who? There aren't that many, like, There's pure no John ones John Stockton's left. left. Like, no. even someone like Paul. I guess Chris Paul is
0: the closest to a good
1: one yeah. left.
0: Well, and, like, I wouldn't even want a Rondo type. Because a Rondo type is a guy who's going to hold on to the ball for a really long time. D'Angelo's perfect next guard point guard is maybe kind of like a Spencer Dinwiddie, though, right. to be honest, is someone who's going to be like getting rid of the ball. And the thing about Spencer Dinwiddie, which is stressful right now, is that he's still taking way too many shots. He's not a good shooter. He's yeah, his percentages are not right good. And I thought they would they would go up with sit playing next to D'Angelo. I thought open shots, maybe. but he's still not hitting enough shots to warrant he also playing just over LaBert.
2: Fully gassed. Do you think that's what the issue is? I don't is? know, man. I mean, he's not like looking to be um he's not he's not trying to um do as much as he as he was i think i think he just like hasn't played this this much basketball ever you know well but again
0: still we still had i think what's important to point out about d'angelo is that so i can't say who i was talking to (laughs) this is really fun to drop but i was talking to someone who really knows basketball that brian knows who i'm talking about who I was with recently so, cr- I, I have no Abdul idea Jabbar. It was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar <laughs> Me and him were drinking Mai Tais I'm yeah. not sure why um, But he was saying <laughs> I think the biggest t- development For the Nets is the
2: fact that DeAngelo Russell is not good at basketball
0: that's what he believes. He believed that D'Ang-
2: D'Angelo Russell is just, maybe he's just not Here's good the thing, overall. I know who Mike's talking about, and it's actually a guy whose opinion matters. Um, <laughs> so I, I know that that's a lame thing to say, but like, yeah, which is, it's an interesting point um, for a person with uh, a high up basketball mind. But the thing is, um, I think this is an
0: extremely weird season for D'Angelo Russell, and I think Obviously, I don't know the guy, but I I can almost tell from his body language on the court. Wait, can you? But address that a little bit yeah.
2: more, though. Like, what what exactly did he give you any justification? Was he saying this? D'Angelo Russell will never
0: be good yeah. at basketball? No, he just thinks that he he literally said the words. Um, undercover, like really important thing is that probably D'Angelo is not good at basketball. That he's not just he's just not a good player. And now this was happening. That does not seem like.
2: Very thoughtful stuff, <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest. <laughs> well, but this person's a thoughtful person. Yeah, I know, which is why I almost feel like that none of this ever happened.
0: But I, I do wonder, so I the, what I think the problem is with D'Angelo this season, if you're going to really evaluate him, is the injury affected him more than it affected almost anyone else an injury could have. Because D'Angelo, I think, was shook after being with the Lakers that – there was so much weird energy around him. What he was doing on Snapchat, what he was doing with Nick Young, what Magic Johnson said about him—someone who I'm sure D'Angelo looked up to—and the fact that Magic Johnson, again, it would be like you know the guys who created Mario. This is a, this is a real reach. If the guys created Mario, said to the people who were creating Final Fantasy, saying that game is selfish and <laughs> doesn't want to pass the ball. Mm-hmm. I think they did, actually. They, they probably I think did. I right? that happened, yeah. Um, so if someone of that level, it's more than if Sean Marks said it about D'Angelo Russell. This was Magic Johnson saying about D'Angelo Russell. So he moves coast, goes to the East Coast with the Nets, and is in a situation where he's trying to figure out who he is as a professional basketball player. He joins the Nets, plays well in the beginning, but then gets hurt. A guy rises up from the ashes in Spencer Dinwiddie, takes his place, Everyone's excited about Spencer Dinwiddie. And then D'Angelo Russell understands that when he comes back, he's going to have to change his game in some way because he probably doesn't want to look like a jerk and just assume the ball and assume the leadership role all over again. I just think it's a weird D'Angelo Russell season. I'm not saying it's lost. I'm just thinking it's, it's, we're not getting full 100% evaluation that we should be getting with D'Angelo Russell. And I will say his past, I have the stat here, past 16 games, only five of them he didn't score in double digits. He is producing as a player. He's the opposite of Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb <laughs> scores 29 points one game and then scores six and three. I just, I i don't want to, I don't want people to be like super down to Angela Russell. I still think there's just like so much there.
2: Well, they weren't until you started saying that yeah, he's, not good, <laughs> yeah, he's nobody, not good at basketball. Yeah. Nobody feels that way. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, I think in some ways that, 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 all those points are like the season doesn't matter. You guys have said this a bunch that the season doesn't matter in terms of wins and losses. And we have to really say that now because there's a lot of losses, Yeah, but like, I think a lot of that, I'm trying to talk myself into Alan Crabb. I mm. was, like, not happy with the yeah. trade when it happened, and, and I think everyone's pretty been pretty unhappy with how the season's gone, but you have to sort of look at it as, like, he's trying to do things. He's going to be inconsistent. He's trying to do things that he hasn't tried to do and try to be better at those things, and sometimes he's having success with them, and sometimes he's not having success with them. I think... We have to say, like, well, maybe in the offseason, a little more work. Like He's working to get to a new level. So it doesn't matter that he's inconsistent now, because what matters is maybe he can become consistent with more time working with the training staff, more time being sort of a premier player on this team, and just hope that that actually happens rather than him being maddeningly inconsistent for his
0: entire career. And making mm-hmm. $20 million a year. Yeah. Has
2: watching Alan Crabb in virtual reality 3d <laughs> cybernetics <laughs> smooth, has that smooth segue <laughs> has that afforded you any new insights into his development absolutely none
1: uh, <laughs> so i don't know if you they advertise during the games all the time like watch the nets in vr uh,
2: so i've tried it i'm a i'd say i'm
1: a vr skeptic to some mm. level but it I, makes me
2: very nauseous i can't i'm one of those people
1: there are Better
2: and mm. worse versions of VR. So I don't know which things you've tried, but some of them Probably are more the worst versions. <laughs> <laughs> some <laughs> of them are more nauseating went, than others. I went to like a GameStop when they were like doing I don't even know what it was, but like I was watching someone else with the uh, VR thing on and (laughs) that made you nauseous I mean that did make me nauseous but it was hilarious because they had like you know a guy who's like trying to like coach him how to do stuff and he obviously just sucks at video games on top of everything else (laughs) and so he's got the like paddle thing and the guy's like okay now put your gun back in your holster and you can just see on the screen him looking at the thing and just missing his holster (laughs) (laughs) for like a hard like three minutes and everyone's just like down further down (laughs) left (laughs) your other left it's like this is the future this is the future (laughs) of virtual reality
1: yeah vr uh I, I will like just get my bias out of the way that i think vr is like good but not like we're all going to be rocking around heads head around like, our house going like, to turn like, into
0: ready player one i don't mm, know if you're, no, you know i d-
1: i've read the book i haven't seen yeah. the movie i didn't I thought the is it book, out yet the book was like, coming uh, out it's coming not out. out quite yet i, yeah. I think it's i'm not, a little worried about the
0: movie i think the movie you're worried about it not I, gonna be good it's i gotta a say i didn't love the book i'd yeah. like like
1: the first third of the book and then it I read the rest of it, but it sort of lost me. But I think it's just that VR is going to end up being like escape rooms. It's going to be end up being like bowling. It's going to end up being like well, laser tag. Here, here's like, what
2: I'm excited for. I watched a, a VR speed run. People, you know, speedrunning <laughs> video games. Have you ever seen this? Mm-hmm. So if, for those of you that don't know, uh, there's this whole community of people that play video games, and they sort oh, of yes. break it down so that they can do it faster and faster, and they have all these, like, world records, and they have, like, big events. AGDQ, I think is what it's called, right? Is that right? Um... It's a big one. It's a it? big one. Yeah. 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 I'm it. out of the closet now. I don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so the best ones are the, the VR guys. So they have the things on and they're like running it <laughs> because they actually have to do it in real life. It's amazing to watch. They must be sweating for yeah, VR. Yeah, they have to. Yeah. It's like there's a physical element to it that's. Um, so what's the. I haven't done it
0: yet. I've seen when I go on the app because I, I watch on the Fox Sports Go app, a little plug right there. Yep. I'm sure they need it. Um, there's always the bubble that pops up to so watch on vr watch the nets game on vr i've clicked on that bubble yeah and i've clicked on that bubble but then i just put my phone to my face and <laughs> it, it's not if you haven't clicked just click the bubble and you'll see what happens They just give you two screens and it looks weird and it's like almost like you're looking into a sphere um okay yeah. what's the game presentation <laughs> presentation like so in VR?
1: if you actually have the headset what it so like the, let's the fantasy is you're like, oh, I'm going to be sitting courtside, right? Or better yet, like, on the court. I'm going to be, like, seeing these perspectives that yeah. are so much better than, you know, just watching a game on TV. The reality is is that you are in, like, a virtual, very large sort of suite at a stadium. Like, you have, like, mm-hmm. good seats in a city. And inside of the suite, there's a screen. Oh, you're like watching a TV in virtual reality. And there's like sort of floating stats next to it that you could like look at and you can like decide what you want to look at and what you want to do by like looking at a button for long enough and then like a circle appears. And when the circle gets all round, you've activated that. So you're like, you can't really watch the game when you're trying to activate something because you're like looking over here to your left while the game's in your center of your view. But it's sort of like you have a big screen TV, maybe bigger than your screen at home, but it is lower resolution because they're splitting it up to do the VR thing. Mm-hmm. So it's sometimes kind of hard to read, like the score of the game. So or that what's screen going on.
2: inside of the game is just the screen that they have. Like that's just yes. Yeah, you're just watching yeah. the
1: exact same thing you would be watching
2: if you that's were just dis- looking that's a at a screen. That's a massive disappointment. Wow, yeah, I had it no is idea. really <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> wow. wow. Um, yeah, that blows my. Mind. I kind of don't get a sense for like how fast the AR VR stuff is coming or going. Like I remember. Um, one of my friends was like working. I don't know. He's like a software engineer or something. And he has he had like a really early Google Glasses prototype <laughs> or something. And it was insane how powerful they were. Like I, I was at a uh, hotel. We were there for someone's wedding. And I looked at a napkin and it's like Holiday Inn and it and it changed it to Spanish. And I was looking at it and it was in the Holiday Inn font and it was in green and everything. And I was like this changes everything. right? <laughs> and then I haven't seen anything since. That makes me think that way. I, I do. I'm hearing VR stories of people watching TVs inside of TVs. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm hearing it's now. It's just like, not that exciting. Yeah. right?
0: Yeah. That's what the. And the, again, as you said, the point of it, I always thought like when they first talked about it, I forget which team first, probably the Mavericks or something rolled mm-hmm. it out. It was that you would be sort of looking where Devin Harris, I don't know if that, he was the example, <laughs> but he'd be like, you'd be looking on the court as if that would be, What's happening? And I'm sure at some point, they're going to rig people up with some small little cameras. But um, I don't know about in-game, though. In, right? Like you're not going to have yeah. like somebody
1: with like a camera on their head when they. Well, like, once we all have the jack, you know, yeah,
2: the internet jack, <laughs> just you go, go be directly Devin through Harris. their eyes. You just beat <laughs> Devin what do you mean, like <laughs> a <laughs> phone jack? That's going to be. C- Come on, like the Matrix. The not like yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. God, I can't explain everything. Um, how far <laughs> are we away from living in the Matrix? not that i don't know Matt, from my experience like... pretty far <laughs> oh, okay
1: <laughs> which i guess is, i mean is a good thing i think i mean the matrix is kind of dystopic guys i'm not sure that's what we're shooting for here but <laughs> pretty nice to me everyone was sleeping. as long as you
2: turn it off and you can walk outside that seems great you know that's fine um and also, you want to talk game? You want to talk
0: like game theory of some kind? Did well, so
2: one of the things that we we've batted around a couple times um, is so there was a, a hot conversation all to do with the two minute report things that came out right. of like how many games and it's had had lost due to these bad calls, or whatever. And so, like in the comments section, everyone's um, you know getting after it. And uh, I think some people, there's a contingent of people that are like, you can point to this as evidence that, like, these calls cost us the game. And then there's another contingent of people that are like, no, you have to, like, amalgamate all of the calls throughout the entirety of the game. And th- and only then can you say, like, you know, because they're all equal. And so, like, the right. question I was posing, or posing to uh, Matt was, like, is that the case? Is Are all calls equal? Or as you get closer to, like, the end state of the game, do they crew value or something or how does that work so looked at in a vacuum at a single call i would
1: argue that calls at the end of the game are more important because mm-hmm. you have less time to recover from them if the ref knows that it's a bad call there's less time for them to give you a makeup call or something along those lines uh i think the, the 538 article talked about missed calls being more uh, punitive to the nets than mm-hmm. bad calls right. which I think in that case, you're not going to get a makeup call anyway because the refs didn't see it, so they didn't call it, so they're not going to give you some sort of makeup call later, most likely. That being said, I think there there is a heavier the the difference is not that great because fouls earlier in the game lead to things like people getting benched for long right. periods of time, right? If you pick up your a quick third foul in the second quarter, the often you'll get sat down, so you don't pick up a fourth foul, so you don't end up not being in the game. I think it's one of my pet peeves is that I think that you shouldn't sit somebody when they pick up fouls early because what you're worried about is them losing minutes, right? You're worried about them fouling out of the game and not being able to play at the end of the game, mm-hmm. um, or some other point in the game you're gonna have to sit them down. But when you're you're sort of voluntarily doing that anyway, when you just pull them out of the game because they have so many fouls, so they end up playing fewer minutes anyway. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's better just to
2: take that risk. That sort of falls into the, like for me <clears throat> the sort of like hot hand. Like I'm reading the game kind of like from the. the the spirit realm kind of thing. It's like, if he's like, he's, he's getting handsy today. He's like in a handsy mood. (laughs) I I do think it is something where, you know,
1: Especially with a team like the Nets, where it's all about progress, right? It's all no. about development this year. Just let them try to learn not to get fouls. I guess I, I wouldn't pull people. It's sort of like you know the the thing in football where they're always like, oh, this the analytics people say you should go for it on fourth down more often. You should go for it on fourth down mm-hmm. all the time, and nobody ever does it because they're afraid of like looking bad and something going wrong. And but if you're the Cleveland Browns, you already look pretty bad. Like you did, you went 0 and 16 this year. Mm-hmm. You like won one game last year. I don't know, at the end of the season, I'm going for it in fourth down all the time because you're losing anyway. You'll look better if you win a few games. Or at least you'll find something out. At least you'll learn, hey, you know what? It is a bad idea to go for it on fourth down. It turns out the analytics guys are wrong. I think with the Nets, if you pick up fouls early, just let them try to play through it. And if they end up fouling out, we have won 20 games. 21, excuse me. But, like, I don't know. Let's take some risks. Let's see if that conventional wisdom of benching somebody when they picked up fouls early really affects how the rest of the game goes and how much availability you get from that player
2: so to tie a bit of a bow on it the calls are weighted differently but they sort of even out because there are like there's effects to each of them that are negative disproportionate but it's 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 it would be hard to say that like i mean i don't know maybe this is a poor summary of it but like it those end of at those like towards the end of the game those things matter Obviously, but also all of the matter to a certain extent in the beginning of the game because it affects those late game decisions anyhow right and, and it is very situational
1: I think like if you are if it's your first foul in the second quarter that mm-hmm. probably matters less than your first foul in the fourth quarter towards the end of the game but if you're in a situation where, you know, especially if you have a thin bench and you don't have as many people at that position and it's a third foul for you, right, That's that foul might be more important than a foul at the end of the game in that situation because we don't have a lot of depth at that position. You might feel compelled to pull that guy. That guy might feel, even if you leave him in, feel compelled to play worse defense because he's worried about getting, uh, picking up another foul. Mm-hmm. So that has a more cumulative effect over time because they are worried, they're playing worse defense for a longer amount of time because they're afraid of uh, picking up that fourth foul because they know there's not a lot of depth behind them. So I don't think it's like a black and white, like sure. at the end of the game, it's more important than earlier in the game. I do think it's very situational based on the individual game. I like
2: that argument, Mike. Well, and also it's it's from
0: more than just like the overall personal player, if they have so many fouls and that damages the way they play at the end of the game, it's also that teams play differently. They, they decide how to run their offense and they run their defense differently at the end of games. And if a possession is taken away because a foul wasn't called or was kept called, that affects even more of how they're playing. It's like if the Nets are down four and they ha- the Nets have the ball and they don't get the foul call in the lane, like the Damari Carroll that didn't get the call, I forget what game it was, where he didn't get the call in the Pelicans. lane. Mm-hmm. Was the Pelicans? Yeah. And, and so then immediately, because then the Pelicans get the ball, the Nets have the foul and the game's essentially over. That missed call, because of the way teams are playing differently, Changes
2: obviously the whole. Well, it's, of the it's rest like the two game. different value systems, right? It's like one affects the minutes, the other affects the actual outcome of the game to a different extent. So right. it's like you're you're pulling from two different like resource pools or something. Right,
1: and and yeah. fouls are a resource, right? The the, right. the if you, you foul somebody you know, and it, now you're in the penalty, that other team might drive more. They might pick on somebody they know that has more fouls. They might start going to the, the person defending them. It changes so much. And so while, you know, there's less time for there to be makeup calls or those calls at end of games are important for the final outcome of the game, those other calls have more of an accumulative effect because they happen earlier. There's more time for the other team to try to take advantage of that. There's more time for the, the team that has that foul call to have to, you know, uh, recover from that. Have to cover for that that lack of a resource.
0: Mm-hmm. And I've I've always felt the same thing that you feel about how a guy picks up two fouls in the first quarter and then he gets benched, which again, as you said, it 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 does in effect almost fouls them out for the rest of the quarter and if not part of the rest of the whole first half. And it just doesn't make sense in any sense because really the only players in the NBA who foul out are. Like the Jason Collins types, <laughs> like just the big centers who just foul people, and that's their only like Zaza Pachulia. That's the only guys. I think LeBron's fouled out maybe once in his whole career. Handsy
2: guards, who, and, the, and who are the handsy guards?
0: But like even handsy guards, at a certain point, they just stop being handsy and they just be mm-hmm. they be all hippie. Yeah. They hit people. <laughs> like Marcus Smart hit. is known
1: as like a like a mm-hmm. tough sure. defender,
0: handsy guard type guy. and I don't think he fouls out that much. Like it's just not it's not a real issue. But coaches is still. Under they have the same mindset they've had when maybe the NBA had five fouls in a game or it's a college mindset too. It's where it's like a guy gets two fouls, you gotta take him out of the game right away
2: because you don't want him to get the third. And further, like even like the the on the pick and roll, for example, like those big guys put themselves out there to get those like ticky tacky picks like moving pick things like constantly. So they're oh they're God. just not safe anywhere. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I would like I would like
1: them to see less averse to fouls in general and just see how it plays out. Like maybe it's worth it to to have more fouls because it frustrates the other team. Maybe they don't like going to the line. I just think it, that that is a resource that could be played with more mm-hmm. um, other than late games where they should do it way less because that makes basketball less fun. But um, mm-hmm. I think it, it's sort of weird that it gets flipped on its head in the last, you know, two minutes where you're fouling like crazy because now that resource doesn't matter as much.
2: Speaking of making basketball fun, a conversation that we've had, <laughs> Time and time again, Matt, in, in email, is this is not just me and Matt. Of course, a lot, a lot of other people have this conversation about how to make the last two minutes of basketball more entertaining. All the stoppages, oh, yeah. the you know external clock stoppages, uh, like how do we how do we speed through the the fouling problems, all this stuff. How do we make that more entertaining? Because that's ultimately like. You know what we're in it for, and that's the problem that we're trying to solve. It's a, it's one of entertainment. We've decided that this is not as entertaining as it could be. How do we how do we solve it, Matt? So I mean, there's been some a lot of solutions suggested for this. One of them was like a sort of wacky
1: solution that I think the NBA is actually trying in some uh, G League games. Do they this have like year? a think tank? I would like to see if they had like just like a like <laughs> <laughs> three people. Yeah, <laughs> there was like an article on ESPN about like something where like once you reach a certain time left in the game, like two minutes or three minutes, then. It becomes whatever the team with the most points has to score like yeah, the you have to get to it Who the first team to a certain score wins mm-hmm. so like if it's 91 yeah, right. to yeah i saw that 80 the first team to 101 wins so that now. was
2: based on this thing where it's like po- hey i'm gonna butcher the numbers but it's like after uh three minutes let's say if you're up seven points like the statistical probability that you win the game is like huge right um and so it's like the first get to seven points after that and and um yes yeah. if that's is that right that's it's a, it's a, i don't
1: remember the exact numbers yeah. but you, you're you're yeah. basically right okay. um for the intents and purposes of this podcast, you're correct. Uh, but Excellent. That's all I care <laughs> about. I don't love that solution because I feel like... It's a big pivot. Like That's a big yeah, change. If you're watching basketball somebody who doesn't know about this rule or yeah. like, is not that familiar with basketball, like, okay, they're winning, they're winning, there's this much time left in the game. Yeah. Oh, but now the rules have changed. Now yeah. they have to get to 1-on-1. And it's like, oh, okay, so they're always the first team to 1-on-1? No, no, no. It depends on the game. It depends on the scores at this time in the game. And yeah. this, it
2: just seems... It's not, a tough sell for for a, a general fan. Yeah, it yeah.
1: seems very confusing, and then you're like, wait, the game's over now? It ended in, right. you said there was three minutes left. Now they won in 27 seconds because they hit a bunch of threes, and I just, I feel like it's too fiddly, and it's too...
2: Plus, also, you're taking out one of the great pleasures of basketball, which is the buzzer beater. Right. You know, that's, a, that's a big one.
0: Well, I still just think, I mean, this is like the radical theory, but it shouldn't even be radical. It's just no timeouts. A timeout is not allowed by any coach, I don't care, in the last two minutes. Just because... So the idea of why you allow timeouts is, of course, the coach can make substitutions and they, they can design beautiful plays that change the course of a game and show their genius. But like in the end, very few times does a coach really design a play that completely uh, gives his team the win that would have been a loss. And oftentimes it's just a coach saying, okay, we're going to foul this guy when he gets the ball, which is stuff that like, players should know already. If you ever watch a game, there's like rare times, mostly in college where um, the last three minutes of the game, for some reason the coaches have all run out of timeouts just because coaches in college typically call way too many timeouts. just that's their personality type. Um, it is thrilling to watch basketball just going back and forth, ball being thrown in, ball mm-hmm. going up and back and down the court. Um, I don't know I know why they would not want to eliminate all timeouts in the last two minutes. Partly because of commercials, like yeah, it, it helps to have a 30 second commercial in the most you know intense part of the game. But mm-hmm. if you want to make it super interesting, fouls you really can't eliminate. You can't take away the fouls, but you can take away the timeouts and just remove them. Matt's Matt, so Matt, got a solution. For I this, think you can't
1: take away the fouls actually. Yeah. I think so. My change for how to fix the fouling in the last two minutes is make fouls in basketball like they are in football in that you have the right to decline a foul. You have a right to decline a penalty and what it is is at any point in the game, not just the last two minutes. So like if somebody fouls, you know, uh, DeAndre Jordan, you are like, you know what? We're better off just having the ball than we are having DeAndre Jordan shoot free mm-hmm. throws. You can decline the ball. You get the ball at the other end of the court. You They can't defend you till you cross half court. Yeah. So, you can, so they can't do like a full court press or anything like that. You decline the penalty. You can run – was it eight seconds that you have to get the – so you can sure. just run eight seconds yeah. off. Anytime someone fouls you, you can either take three throws or you get a guaranteed eight seconds you can run off the court and have your best ball handler slash free throw shooter have the ball. Teams would 100% stop fouling in this situation because now you've got you know a 90% or 80% free throw shooter has the ball and they've run eight seconds off the clock every time. It's not worth fouling anymore at this point because now – you're there's not that advantage of we'll find a bad three-throw shooter or like we'll just stop the clock and be able to to even have a good three-throw shooter shoot it. it runs time off the clock and it almost guarantees the other team more points if you foul
2: i've thought about this a lot since i first heard it like probably a year ago and i've i've heretofore never found a problem with it and i've gone ahead and talked to our mutual friend people in the in the leg and <laughs> cannot get any buy and nobody wants to hear it nobody cares and uh, which I just don't understand. Another thing that I have I, talked to him recently about is um, tip ball, uh, jump balls, and why why do we do the jump ball to start the game if it doesn't actually matter? If you get everyone gets the ball an even amount of times after that first possession, I was like, here's what you should do: you should either just not have it or have it for all four quarters, and then like a big guy who can like is really elite at jump balls can like shine or whatever. Thing, yeah. and, and everyone in the entire place was like, jump balls suck. Dude. Nobody wants to watch jump balls. I was like, well, I know that, but the point is like, it's already useless it's the either, way that it is. It's <laughs> just completely useless or like, it's like a little useful, but also boring. Yeah. It's like a nice ceremony to start
1: the game is what I'll say. It's like, like hey, everyone pick over the ball. <laughs> I, I, I don't have it. Like it's pageantry. I don't have a
0: problem sure. with the jump ball at the very beginning. Still think about, like, let's go back to Dr. Naismith, right? Like he, he's designing <laughs> this game go back. with Peach yeah, 1888. <laughs> I think that must have been one of the most ri- most ridiculous uh, ideas that he had was to be like. We're going to stuff everyone into a circle. It's almost like the way you would do rugby. We're going to stuff everyone into a circle. And the two of the tallest guys, we're just going to toss the ball up gently into the sky. And two guys are going to bat at it. And one of them hopefully gets it and gets it for his team.
1: I mean, he probably was inspired by, like, a rugby scrum or something like that, right? right. I mean, it's not like these things come out of a vacuum. It's not like he was a win- wasn't was aware of it. He's games. probably
2: inspired by the XFL, how they, how they used to do <laughs> yeah, the, the running correct. backs. I mean, it
1: was – they – it was, too, it was a blizzard or something like that, and they couldn't go outside to play football. So he was like, I need a game that they can play indoors mm-hmm. in Massachusetts during a blizzard. And that's sort of where basketball came yeah, from. Yeah, basketball.
2: Yeah. Um, Thank you. Well, so, <laughs> Mike, have you internalized Matt's solution to the yes. entertainment thing? And do you have you come to the right side of that argument, or do you still, do you still <laughs> I, feel the way you feel? I
0: love it. The only thing this I is would, what they do. There's a but. There's that, a but coming. I <laughs> love it. The only thing I would <laughs> say about it is that then you do essentially eliminate... The chance of getting like the team who is down four with thirty-five seconds left—they're basically done with the game. Like, yeah, you could say you could play defense. Yeah. Oh which, no. Yeah. <laughs> what a <laughs> terrible <laughs> thought. <laughs> but a, a team and a guy could dribble the ball up past half court and then just hold it like this. You know, like almost like a running back going through the hole and just standing there. You think no, this is a guy who's travel because, if he moves? This guy's never played basketball <laughs> because what happens when you do
2: that is somebody else touches the ball and then it's a jump, jump. ball. No, but you could you could block it in a certain way. Do <laughs> You think that that's how that? Or then they come up and just or smack you, you do on the it? back. Like a or you b- stop you the you guard you the entry
1: pass, right? Like there there are ways that you can. How can
2: do you, you see what I'm doing get here? Get the ball this is this is a guard.
1: vault right
0: here, Brian. <laughs> There's no way you're getting the ball there.
1: For the for the people at home who can't see, uh, it's not a vault.
0: Just <laughs> for the is, record, it is an absolute vault. <laughs> so what I'm saying, I I do. That's the only problem is that it doesn't give the team who is down by four, who's down by two possessions. A Chance to come back. I know fouling stinks, but to come back in the game in, in a lot of
2: circumstances. I just, I just, this is what we're always going to be, met yeah. With I this. just, I do. You ever, though, if your
1: team has, like, first of all, the percentage of time that your team wins in that situation is so low, it's very low, and you always feel bad about it when it happens. Like, mm. it almost never happens, and when it does happen, you're like, yay, we exploited the system. Yeah. Like, that is not what felt like. That's not why fouls were added to basketball, that's not what they were meant for. It's like totally a workaround around yeah. the system. Like, people have gamed the system. It's not like it's not beautiful. It's the not a poorly, inspiring. too. It doesn't
2: actually solve the problem. Yeah, it usually more doesn't work, but it's not, a higher yeah. percent play than
1: nothing, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just I think trying to figure out tough defenses to like prevent inbound passes. If you like steal a ball on in an inbound pass when you're down four with 35 seconds to go, that's going to feel so much better than we fouled the guy, he missed a couple of three throws, then we made a two-pointer, then we fouled right. the guy, if then he you, missed some three throws, then we hit a three. Like, that doesn't feel good. If right? it makes you feel better,
2: we can also add your less timeouts thing, if that's what you want. If you just want to have a little <laughs> bit of a <negotiating>. negotiation. <laughs> All right, yeah, we just solved it.
0: Um, yeah. No, I'm in. I'm just saying I, there is you're like, not, but you're not, <laughs> because ultimately it's you can tell you're not. It's extremely hard oh. to steal an inbounds pass, and and maybe like it's a crutch, of course, to foul people. Wait, what do you
2: mean it's extremely hard to steal an
0: inbounds pass? It's extremely hard to steal an inbounds pass. It doesn't I, happen to all that often.
1: But everybody remembers the,
0: like that Reggie Miller one against the Knicks. Like everybody it, remembers that boy, yeah, unbounded. Yeah, how, how long ago was <laughs> when the, the Reggie Nets Nets Miller had play? Had a it million 30, inbounds. It was twenty years time. ago. <laughs>
2: Right, and more maybe more than twenty years ago now. I don't remember. I it's think. not that. I mean, they more more often than not, I think of this, the five second call. Like that's that'll be the way that turnover happens.
0: Yeah, that's
2: a good one. Ultimately, I think it.
0: It again, I hate fouls, hate them. I do think <laughs> it is a more thrilling circumstance when um, a team is down by four and fouls DeAndre Jordan. He goes to the line. He misses the free throw. That team then go gets the ball and shoots a three and makes it. Here's, now they're down here's by what one. You're not
2: factoring into your scenario though. DeAndre Jordan gets fouled. Cut to commercial. You're back in two minutes and thirty seconds. And and that, yeah, but they don't they don't go two minutes thirty seconds at the at the end of the game. But this is the this is the point of it. When you get all those stoppage of clocks in that the, you sneak in the twenty second timeout, you, you makes all these. I understand. You're I, not but you're not willing to change Mike. You're stuck in your way. I would argue don't start this in the NBA level.
1: Start this like in the G, like again, I think the G League like let's experiment like there is no value to the G League for having fouls work the way they work in the NBA, right? You want those games over as quickly as possible. You're not gaining anything by having people shoot three throws at the end mm-hmm. of the game unless you like really care about like people hitting free throws under pressure at the end of games which i don't think is what the g league is all about like that specific kind of training for for players do
2: they actually do like testing of this of this kind of stuff in the g league is that so i know teams do i don't know i mean they were talking about doing
1: this with the uh, somewhat crazy solution i think of the like the Go to a certain score version of of fixing the end of games, um, why, why, and which why also it the, really the it, clearly the NBA thinks this is a problem because they're experimenting with this. Like, we'll set the ceiling of a certain score, and then if you're fouling people, you're just getting them closer to that score. Like, they How? they, they want to solve this problem already. They want to kill your dream of the DeAndre Jordan hits one out of two. <laughs> like, they they don't <laughs> that want that happening either.
2: <laughs> Do you have watching John, DeAndre Jordan
0: <laughs> clank clank re- <laughs> and be a sad guy? Yeah. Yeah. I and just like, think
1: they should be more risk-seeking. So I know the teams do this. Like, the Rockets were experimenting with the only dunks and threes thing in the G League for
0: three years before they made that, like, their NBA thing. But. And I agree with the concept of that. Like, a foul against your team should – like, when you get fouled, that you shouldn't be penalized for getting fouled. Yeah. Like that, that makes sense. Like, if you're designing a sport, to be fouled means that you should get a benefit. You should right? get to choose that the most beneficial yeah. thing
1: for you in that situation.
0: And And, again, it doesn't – like, there's all those actions leading up to that being down by four with 35 seconds left. So there's so much more that could go into that opposed to the fouling thing. I do just think people are, people would turn off the TV if a team was down by four with 30 seconds left when they know that their their team can't foul and it's just not going to matter. I don't think it won't matter. I think it'll
1: still matter. You just have to play better defense and you have to, like... Teams will get better at the things that they don't have to get better at now, which is like guarding inbounds passes, making five seconds uh, calls happen, like trying to steal inbound passes. Teams don't optimize for that now because it's just not it's not the, as high
2: yeah. value.
0: Yeah, and it's just easier to smack someone.
2: Yeah. You guys, I have to before I forget, I have to plug um, Flat Push and Atlantic. Oh yeah, I, I said I would. Cheer boys over there, they're doing a pop up shop, Ooh. but I don't have any more details than that. But you gotta check, <laughs> you gotta check their Twitter. <laughs> you gotta check their Twitter. Um, at Flatbush Atlantic, I guess. Can it, can but it, here's the thing. Big fans of the show, and they make great product, Mike. That's yeah. my endorsement. Well, you'll that? tweet about it later. I'll right? tweet about it later. Yeah. Can I we'll sneak a in
0: a fake trade that I've been, that I've been <laughs> developing? Sure, if you have to. Okay, have so to. there's a small possibility that the Phoenix Suns could have three first-round picks this year. They're going to have their own. They have the Miami Heat's first-round pick. Most likely, I think, I don't know what the protections are on that, but I'm almost pretty sure they're going to have that guaranteed. And... They have a slim possibility of also being the Milwaukee Bucks' first-round pick. Strange protection on this. Um, they get the pick if it falls between 10 and uh, 17, mm-hmm. okay? And right now it's within that range. So the mm-hmm. Milwaukee Bucks essentially have to be like the 8th seed or 7th seed in the East, and that's how it would work out. Um, the Phoenix Suns don't need their third first-round pick. The Nets would probably, if it's between 10 and 17, the Nets would probably like to have that first-round pick are we okay with Damari Carroll for the 16th pick in the draft? Does that feel okay with us? Are are we upset with that? Do we not? Do you not want to part with Damari Carroll? Is that what that is?
2: Heard it's a top-heavy draft this year, Mike. Heard it's a top-heavy draft.
0: I think, but I but looking at the draft, it's a top-heavy draft. But there's a big difference between 16
2: and 28. Yeah, which is what the Nets are going to have. I mean, here's a, it's a it's a. The only argument against it is, like, I like DeMar Carroll, and it feels bad. That's like, but, like, in the version of the Nets where they're actually good in, like, four years, like, obviously that's what you have to do. Those are the kinds of things you got to do. Yeah. Um, I don't see Phoenix doing that trade just because what do they want? with it? I mean, obviously they
1: can use, like, veteran leadership and blah, 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 yeah. but you can get that cheaper. <laughs> see, that's than... the thing. Yeah,
0: that's what they need. But they can get that cheaper
1: yeah. than the 17th pick in the draft or the 10th or whatever, like, well, that pick for, is. From
0: their valuation. they've already had Bender, Chris, Booker. They're going to have a top five, six pick that will be brought in. They had Josh Jackson last year. They're going to have another pick, the Miami Heat pick, which will be earlier. So that that's, let's say, that's what, six, seven players who are all super young, who are already on the roster. Another first-round pick actually is less valuable to them than having Damari Carroll. because So the GM of the Suns is the same guy who's been the GM for the past five years, and they've been bad for five years. And at a certain point, we've all seen this happen. It happened with the Serge Baca trade with the Magic. These GMs realize that they have to actually win eventually. Eventually, these guys have to win. And a winning move is bringing in a guy like Damari Carroll um, and trading away the third first-round pick that is not going to matter to a GM who may be fired the next year. So I'm just saying keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on that. (laughs) Keep an eye on the standings. Watch out. Because the other team with three first-round picks are, I think, the Hawks. For the Hawks, they have no value. I mean, they they want those picks, um, but the, and the Nets again, it stinks that the Net, the Raptors pick is so is going to be so high because that's such a bad yeah because the, bad there's, bad year for them to figure it all out. I'm not a draft <laughs> expert, but like you just look at the players who's going to be around that range, and you're like, you hope it. There's like a six nine European guy named like Mazu, who <laughs> who wears a, a mask mm-hmm. and he has slumped <laughs> shoulders, but he can score well. Yeah, and. You hope that he falls to them, but right. if you're hoping for a slump shouldered masked European man to be the be the first-round pick, then you have a problem. Is the mask like pick. I'm yeah. picturing like a like a like a Mexican wrestler mask? Is yes, it like it is like that. <laughs> really? So I, uh, my uh, this is, uh, I'm going to let you in, Matt. Okay, this is how I analyze draft prospects. The picture ESPN.com has for them in their bubble is basically all I base it on. <laughs> and Mazu, I think that's his name. And starts, wingspan, right? Wears, yeah, and wingspan, that yeah. wingspan. That's all. That's yeah. all you need he wears a black mask for some reason. I mean, I'm sure he broke his face. Uh, you know, <laughs> God, you know, I hope, hope his recovery goes really well. Especially if he's a net. Yeah. But like, so Mitchell Robinson, I think is his name. He was the guy who was supposed to go to Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He's a center. And then he didn't go to Western Kentucky. Um, in his picture, he's like slumped over these, there's like chairs behind him. He, <laughs> he looks kind of fat and unathletic and apparently he's ultra athletic. But because of his picture, I don't not, want him. Not seeing it. I don't want the slumpy. Yeah. Marvin Bagley's picture on ESPN.com is horrible.
2: Yeah.
0: I don't know wh- I don't know where it comes from because it doesn't even look like him. Um, so I based it all on – so I don't want Marvin Bagley. Yeah, because <laughs> he's definitely going to slide to the nets. <laughs> yeah. I want Mazu with his black mask and slumped shoulders because yeah. you strain up those shoulders – He's
2: 6'10 now. I, I, I can relate to this, actually, because I just picked up Marcus Morris for the last week of fantasy because I'm in a bad way right yeah, he now. He must be, yeah. <laughs> just limping to the – I'm in the finals, and everything's oh, falling, falling apart around go, me. There go, man. Um, and he looks just like Joe Budden in the picture. You know that rapper Joe Budden? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> looks a lot like him. Is I that like, a good thing or a bad thing? I was like, oh, this, is, this could be trouble. <laughs> I don't know if players
0: realize how much that matters to get the good ESPN.com, NBA.com photo. Because <laughs> yeah. I think it matters. it matters how I think of them as a person, as a player – I base it all off. I'm book by the cover. I'm, yeah, yeah every book. that's has got how you I, this far. I'm a restaurant by the font. If, <laughs> yeah. a, if a restaurant has a good font, I want to eat there. I don't care what There's There is like actually inside.
2: probably some truth to that. If you see the papyrus or whatever, like you know to steer clear <laughs> of that. If they, they knew to <laughs> invest
1: in a graphic designer, they're probably yeah. investing in their chefs and right. their, uh, yeah. I think their there's ingredients. Some, there's some yeah. logic
2: there. Um, Matt, do you have any other things you want to touch on? Uh, we said we wanted to talk about video games. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about games. sports video
1: games. <laughs> um, do you have a thought about this? Your question are they I believe, good? It's pretty broad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> so. Why do certain games? So here's the thing. Like yeah.
2: I've noticed, the big question is like FIFA's popularity. Uh, kind of confuses me because it's obviously you know. I see a lot of American kids playing FIFA, not that many American kids watching. I mean, I guess that that's changing, but like, why is it that soccer translates better into, or is has become a more popular franchise than let's say the NBA games? Although I don't even have any data to back that up. Like, like those NBA 2K games, I see them everywhere. So they probably sell a lot, but like from my personal experience, like I kind of get it. Cause I really don't like playing basketball games that much. They feel awkward or something. It's something's not like clicking about those mechanisms to, to my, to my feel, to my taste. Um, But anyways, these are pretty anecdotal. I think I think the games, the sports that
1: translate the best, at least in my opinion, to video games are the ones that are most individualized. So Mm -hmm. like baseball, basically Mario tennis tennis games. Like I don't watch a lot of tennis, watch a little bit, not a lot. Never been a huge tennis person, always been a little tennis person. Uh, But like tennis games are pretty fun. They're pretty good. Virtua tennis is like one of my favorite sport games ever. you know, baseball games I think work well because you're there. There's a batter and there's a pitcher, and you're playing one of those. And occasionally mm-hmm. the rest of the team gets involved when the ball gets hit, but generally you're controlling one guy. In basketball, it's weird because like suddenly I'm not that same person. Suddenly yeah. I'm like, oh, I was the point guard, now I'm the small forward, now I'm the center. And you're just this is not like analogous at all to what it feels like to play basketball. So right? I've, you're I've, not I've, like <laughs> the ball, and you like embody yeah. whoever is holding you. <laughs> yeah. that's
2: not what happens when you're actually on a basketball court. So you you want a real time strategy game for basketball? Well, so right. I think that's part that of the reason exist? why. I
1: think football works yeah. well as a video game because like the coach is kind of playing a different game than players are playing and when you're playing Madden you're basically playing the coach and then you're like also executing as a quarterback and occasionally right. doing some things with other players but really you're mostly playing as the quarterback or as somebody rushing the quarterback and mm-hmm. then you're taking over the guy that the ball was thrown to but yeah. like mostly you're playing like a pretty individualized sport um, and you're playing as a coach He's, coach is basically playing chess right the coach is mm-hmm. like oh I'm you know, deciding which play is going to work against the other person, and you're like sort of trying to guess what the other person is going to defend against in this situation. You're trying to figure out what play to call against that, or vice versa. Um, but I do think it's harder when you have like th- that's why I think the best basketball game ever, in my opinion. Any thoughts?
2: NBA Jam, of course. Of course. Yes, yeah. so the, the, obviously that's the correct answer yeah, to that question. It's the only good one.
1: There's only two people that you have to worry about. You're not worrying mm-hmm. about like this whole offense. You're that's like too I mean, much that... for me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: You, might, you <laughs> never
2: did get that alley oop, did yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah.
1: No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love the missed alley oop and NBA Jam. Just like floats away. and Your guy jumping the other that's way. Like, stir oh, your life. Oh, life there, there we go. <laughs> <a> little... <laughs> that is <Yeah>.
1: a stir. <laughs> so maybe one on one. There
0: was like an '80s game, one on one. That's more your speed. Yeah. Like Bird versus Street. Street Volume One or whatever that is. Versus Dr. J. I play NBA Jam at Barcade, where I, around where I live in Chelsea. But Spons- not well. Sp- yeah. Not well. <laughs> but so, like, what's interesting was I remember playing NBA Jam when I was younger, when the NBA was more about dunks, and all you did is went for
2: dunks. When the and- NBA was more about dunks. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm All right, I'm not going to touch it, but go ahead.
0: The, the era of Jordan, we've talked about this before. The era of Jordan, Vince Carter, that whole arc, the yeah. dunker was the king. Not well, the shooter. The yeah. dunker was the king. Okay. Guy go to the okay. hall. Okay. 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 <laughs> this is—it's not like me asking; it's me saying. Okay. Like,
2: are you Sure. Yeah.
1: He's not asking for <laughs> okay. confirmation.
0: But now the shooter is king. And now I've sure. noticed guys. When as we are playing NBA Jam, everyone's just trying to shoot. Well, threes. I mean, did
2: you ever see anyone dunk before 1978? Like it just—it was the rinky dinkiest thing you ever ever did see. And then like suddenly everyone kind of figured it out at the same time, and we had a <laughs> brief fascination with it from the 80s and 90s. And then you know you, you saw it; it happened. Well, what as I'm as saying
0: face. is that. People have evolved, they've patterned themselves after real life NBA as they play NBA Jam. Because, I don't know, growing up, threes weren't as important. I
1: think NBA Jam actually weirdly predicted what the modern NBA is. I hadn't thought about this before, but, like, it was all dunks and threes. Because threes, mm-hmm, right. I think, oh, were wow. a big part of NBA Whoa. Jam because, was, like, the whole he's on fire thing. And, like, it's not because you were hitting mid-range Js in NBA Jam. You're a Man, there's a senior thesis in this <laughs> yeah, right, here. right? Oh, You're gosh. basically yeah. just dunking and, like, alley wow. and shooting threes in NBA Jam. Yeah, right. Wow. There's no, like, Tim Duncan, like, off-the-glass, beautiful kiss. It feels kiss. really bad like, to shoot a mid-range jumper in a NBA yeah. jump feels like a huge missed opportunity
2: for something way better. And that's what the NBA is now. Like,
1: you're supposed to be, like, shooting from, like, two feet from the basket yeah. or 30 feet from the basket. And that's and why, no in like, between. the
0: Sonics are classic, one
2: of the best teams to be because you be Detlef shrimp and shoot threes. <laughs> what? Well, hold up. You went in the Gary Payton, Sean Kemp NBA Jam era, you went Detlef shrimp. How hilarious was it to see Detlef oh. Schrempf out there doing his
0: thing in his Big play. Head mode? Yeah, doing <laughs> his, his thing, head. and then you you're had like, always, you to play with Sean Kemp. You have to play with you're Sean like, oh, Kemp. Oh man, I love playing with the Utah Wait, Jazz. You didn't have Gary Payton <laughs> for that jump, <John, laughs> no. for
2: that John Stockton, Ron yeah. Harper. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Detlef Schrempf was amazing in NBA Jam. Couldn't do anything but shoot threes, man. He was kind of tall.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I've never played. Oh, my God. It. I you didn't are, like Gary Payton in the game. You're a lost soul, Mike. You're, oh, that's funny. But yeah. So back to
0: your theory about about uh games <laughs> yeah sorry what we're, we're, talking, yeah. we're talking
2: about designing a real-time strategy basketball game which is i think we should we should do that someday
1: i do think there's room for like a board game there, like the mm. fun of trying to of, figure out fake trades and the whole like system of the nba mm. where like matching salaries but then years and then like figuring out like Ooh, that's a lot attaching picks but then there's limits on to how many picks you can have and we're like there, it, it, it's Dungeons incredibly like crunchy campaigns. board game yeah. style like uh, I don't know if the, the, Like you actual guys are NBA board games, Monopoly
0: so. But like Or the game of life But yeah. NBA
1: Yeah And you're like And you could like Choose to tank at certain points Like it's like You get a certain amount of points By the end of the game So like maybe at certain points You're like This season I'm gonna tank To get a good draft pick And then that draft is Gonna come out And then I'll like Every season you're just Accumulating points Based on how good your team is But sometimes you have to Get bad to get but good But like you
0: can't and, know How many points you're gonna get By tanking right? right Like then there has to be Like a game of chance The lottery that happens, thing That yeah. happens I, yeah. I think that's a great
2: thing For like a Dungeon Master style <laughs> Thing like you have a guy and like okay a new CBA this year you know <laughs> yeah. things, things got crazy that change everything yeah yeah well I'm already thinking about it let's make it let's make get the whiteboard going get some, <laughs> get some dry erase yeah. markers out um, okay well what do you think should we tie a bow on it let's tie a bow on it real quick
0: I want to make one last point um the Nets are going to win more games this year <laughs> oh. uh the Nets are fingers old, crossed yeah hopefully the net the Nets have a couple of games like they play the Maverick Mavericks Grizzlies. Uh, Orlando Magic, they play a couple of teams coming up that we know are tanking. So the Nets should hopefully win a couple more games this year. We'll discuss what that means, if how we view their season, because we kind of touched on this last week about, um, is the season a success? Ha- have they mm. overachieved? Mm. Um, by the end of the season, what, they have 21 wins right now? If they have 25 wins, we'll, we'll have to diagnose what that will. feels like for us. Save that for another day. I would love for them to have more wins than the
2: Knicks. It's really... All yeah. I've got left <laughs> to hope for at this point. Yeah, and but the I'm, Knicks want that too. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that, and I'm glad <laughs> they're
0: not playing the Knicks because I feel like even if the Knicks were tanking,
2: they'd still beat the Nets. <laughs> then it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> All right. Well, wait. We got to give you some yes. plug. Do you, what do you want to plug? You got to plug some.
1: Uh, yeah. So I, if you guys are interested in learning more about what we do here at the Game Center, uh, just check us out online. You can go to gamecenter.myu.edu. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter, or you can follow us on Twitter at I don't know. Look for NYU Game Center. You'll find us. Uh, we've got a lot of events that are free and open to the public, where you can come play games or hear talks from big-time game designers.
2: Uh, yeah, a lot of On great stuff. On Thursdays, it's Playtest Thursday, and it's open to the public. Is that right? It's you can open to walk public. right in and, and test people's video games.
1: Five to seven every Thursday, you can come in and play games that are either from local game designers, our students, our faculty. They're tested every Thursday, except for like you know holidays, like thanksgiving and stuff like that but basically even this week is spring break and we still are have it going on tonight so
2: heck yeah j street metro tech area
1: yes if you, if you go to our website gamecenter.myu.edu, come here uh,
0: before you go to a nets game yeah come come up here test a game then walk to see a basketball game there you go it's a nice little night brian you said <laughs> it um let's <laughs> <laughs> let's get out of here mike take us out all right thank you all for listening five stars on itunes at bk glue guys on twitter netsdaily.com almighty baller Thank you to Matt Parker for being here. Thank on you the
2: guys. Show. Really enjoyed it. Um, okay. Oh, I have to hit the oucher. That's my yeah. job. Good Bye night. everybody.
0: Yeah, boy.